Jesus, we want to say once again, it's only you. It's only you that we live our lives for. It's only you that we do our work for. It's only you that we take our breath for. It's only you that we live for. Thank you for this incredible privilege of raising our voices today to worship through song. Thank you for the incredible privilege of leaving these doors today to worship through our lives for only you. Amen. Amen. Wow, that was a powerful moment. I don't know about you. I don't know if you expected to sing in about six or seven different languages when you came this morning. Uh, but that was powerful, uh, powerful song. Thank you so much to the, the choir, the group for, for leading. It's a privilege to be here today. I apologize right up front for a little bit for my voice, not my accent. I can't apologize for that. That is what it is. Uh, but my, uh, my uh, voice is a little hoarse and I have a lozenger in my mouth, which is preaching 101 is don't put a sweet in your mouth when you, or a candy in your mouth when you get up. And I'll maybe drink from time to time a little drink that I have. It's tea, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Um, we Irish were, were notorious for all sorts, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I just pray that I can get through without coughing. If I start to cough, I'll be okay. I'll get over it, but, uh, so don't, don't uh, do the Heimlichen on me or anything if you come up here. But it's a deep privilege to be with you. You know, First Ivan has been a church that has been connected to OM for almost 50 years. I, I've been told that by a number of different folks. So it it's goes way, way back to a time when I believe George Verber came here and in the early days talking about a ship and some people thought he was crazy. Uh, and this church has journeyed with OM over those years. And of course, uh, one of your own uh, was sent out, the, the daughter of the pastor, uh, Lynn Stevens at that time, Lynn, now Lynn Harper, who I believe is here somewhere. Des and Lynn are here somewhere. Over at the corner, Des and Lynn Harper and Sheila, their daughter, who I was able to serve with on board a few years back, is here this morning, so it was a delight to see her sent out from this church to continue to be supported by this church, which is wonderful. I met somebody this morning, this morning the Frasers, who were on the ships for a while, and of course, Pradeep and Judith Eyre, who worked here for a number of years and are now serving over in the Mekong region as one of our leaders in the organization. I'm sure there's many other connections. We have deeply appreciated your prayerful support over the years. We deeply appreciate your financial support of which you continue to, to give to different ones in the organization and projects that we're serving. Uh, we thank you for that. And of course, the Barnhart family, which I believe are here somewhere as well, have uh, stood with us. Oh, well, right there. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'll see you again. Yeah. Great, deeply appreciate it. And, uh, and there's so much I could say about what I've already heard. And I, I loved what I heard in the Start Academy. I know this is something you're raising funds for this weekend. I just love what I heard and what they're trying to do to bring the, the, the transformational gospel of Jesus Christ to that community in Ukraine. I believe it's a really, really good project. As I was looking through your church website and getting to know the church a bit and spending some time with Pastor Cole this morning. It was a really good, I, we got about an hour together just chatting and uh, learning a little bit about what's going on in the church. I was so deeply impressed by your mission statement, this idea to glorify Jesus Christ and magnify his gospel in all of life until he comes. I read many mission statements. I've been involved in writing many mission statements, but that's a good mission statement right there. 
And the bit that really stuck out for me was, uh, it's all really good, of course, but this all of life, and that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning um, in my message, is this whole idea of magnifying the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. Magnifying the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. I had a, a parrot. Now, I've realized in, with my accent that I have to clarify, it was not one of these parrots that, you know, the hee-haw parrots. It was the parrot that flew or flies, right? Um, and it was a yellow-naped Amazon parrot. Its name was Rudy. And I got this parrot, or we were given this parrot, by a lady from North Carolina. She hand-raised this parrot from, it was a little chick, uh, which meant that as this parrot grew up and learned to talk, it talked like a lady from North Carolina, which was absolutely hilarious. Um, and uh, it would scream out at the kids as they would run around the house like a lady from North Carolina. But another thing that happened, because of the way it was hand-raised by this lady, uh, it never learned, Rudy never learned to fly. It had a human imprint, and the human imprint actually, although it taught him to talk, it never taught him to fly. And so here was this fully feathered parrot, never had his wings clipped, never broken a wing, would sit on his perch, and when it wanted to go somewhere, it would climb down the perch and walk around the floor on its feet, which is incredibly ugly because parrots were not really designed to walk. They were designed to fly. It was even more ridiculous because I have dogs, five dogs. Rudy didn't, well, he didn't get eaten, just in case you go there, but he didn't last long. We had to get rid of Rudy because it just didn't fit with the way our, our family worked because Rudy couldn't get around the way he was designed. What was missing in Rudy's mind were messages of truth about who Rudy was and what he was created to do. And because they were missing, Rudy lived a life that was way below what he was created for. And, and as I think of that, I realize that for me and for many Jesus followers today, I, I realize that as we live our lives, that it's because, it's so often because of truth that's either missing or lies that are present in our way of thinking, we tend to live life below what God has created us to do. And when I think of that in the context of mission, and I realize that as me as a mission guy coming along here as a mission leader of an organization, some, some of you may have already hit the off switch and said, no, that's the mission guy. I'm not called to mission. That's not my thing. Yeah, I'll write a check at the end of the day, but missions is not for me. Uh, God has not called me to that. And I've, I've met sort of two groups of people. It's the, it's the group over on one side who, go, who have almost given themselves a pass, or we have allowed them to get a pass to this mission thing because they say, well, God has never called me to that. That's not who I am. And so they sit over on one side. And then I've met a whole lot of other people, and I meet them all the time, and they say, Andrew, my heart breaks for the nations when I think of the three billion in the world who will be born, live, and die without ever having access to the gospel or seeing the gospel lived out in front of them. My heart breaks when I, when I hear of those kids in the Ukraine who are growing up without education or any hope of this life, in this life or hope of Jesus, my heart breaks. But, but God has never called me to that, and I would love for God to call me. Or I've met other people and, and a whole lot of these types of people that when they think of serving God, they think, well, I, I don't know if I have anything to offer. You know, I know the missionaries that come to my church and I'm not like them. I don't have the type of skills that I think they have and, and I don't know if God can use me. And then there's others. 
And this all could be wrapped up in one person, but there's other people that I meet and they feel, I I'm not worthy. You know, if you knew what has happened in my life, what I have done, you would understand that God could never use a person like me. Or if you knew what was done to me, you would understand that God can never use a person like me. And so we have some folks who think they're not able, some people think they're not called, some people who think they're not worthy to step into the mission of God. And so I want to open up the scriptures this morning and, 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 and really, in a sense, springboard off this idea that Paul talks about in Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to a way of thinking that's prevalent in the world. Maybe messages that come to you from, from uh, the past experiences of your life, messages that you've sucked in from the world around you that, that cause you to want you to live your life for something much different, uh, for your own ways, for your own glory, for your own purposes or messages that come from the past experiences of your life. That don't conform to those things. Don't conform to those voices that are, echo, are echoing around in your head that would cause you to live your life a different way, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by putting truth into your mind, by, by pushing lies out of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to know the will of God, the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. So what is that good, perfect, and pleasing will of God for our lives? What is the truth that we want to put in our minds and, and the lies that we want to, want to extricate so that we don't live like Rudy, a life way below what God has put us on this planet to do? And so I want to look really at four different things. The first one is your identity, this place where we could easily say, I'm not worthy. If you just knew who I am, if you just knew the type of person I am because of what has been done or what, is, what I've done, God could never use me. And I don't know what's happened in your life to cause you to think that way. I remember one experience I had that could have very easily shaped the rest of my life was when I was in high school. Um, we were doing a chemistry experiment. And uh, I had a friend, his name was David Magaki, who went on to be a Presbyterian ministry, minister to this day as a wonderful friend. Uh, David and I were doing this experiment together as with the rest of the class, we were in pairs, and it was titration, okay? Now, this is gonna make me sound like as if I know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't, my, my level goes to about this uh, illustration. Titration is where you're, you're taking an acid and dropping it into an alkaline, or it could be vice versa, I don't know, I can't remember. But what the idea is you're trying to drip one into the other and determine when it becomes neutral pH, right? Now, you're supposed to put a dye in there, and it's when the dye disappears completely that you know the pH, because you're not tasting it to see if the pH is neutral, right? Or so they told us. So we're dripping and dripping and dripping, and the teacher comes along. His name was Mr. McKillen. He came bouncing over. He looked at what we were doing, and he let this big guffaw out of him. Oh, gather around everybody, gather around, come see what Curly and Mo have just done. <laughs> so you all know who Curly and Mo was. We had no idea who Curly and Mo was, were. Everybody gathered around, and uh, we were still completely unaware of what we'd done. And he pointed out, of course, we had not put the dye into the liquid, and we never would have been able to determine when this thing was neutral pH. We just were quite happy dripping. Uh, <laughs> But in the front of the class, he said, he turned to the both of us and he said, you pair will never amount to anything. 
Uh, maybe something like that's happened over your life. Maybe there's a failure in business, a failure in marriage, a failure in relationship. Something that has happened in your life that you walk away from and, th and believe that lie that you're not worthy to be used by God. But I love what Peter says in 1 Peter. He says this, that Jesus is sitting beside the Father. This is my, the Northern, this is the NIV, the Northern Ireland version. Uh, he's sitting beside the Father and he will have the last word. He will have the last word over everything. So what is his word over your identity? Uh, well, we're going to turn to Ephesians 1 for this year because this is powerful. When God looks at you, his people, those that have come to him by faith through Christ and has accepted his salvation, Here's what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, verse 4. He says this. Now, I want you to listen. You can open it up in your Bibles, but I don't want you to just glaze over the words. I want you to listen to these words. Even before he made the world, or another version says, before he laid the foundations of the earth. I love that picture. Like before God started to put it all together, he had something in his mind. What was on his mind? What was the purpose in his heart and his mind to say, I'm going to make this creation. I'm going to flung, fling the stars into space. What was on his mind? It says this, God, before he, laid, before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Did you hear it? This is the truth that will dispel the lies about who we are in regards to our identity. God loved us, chose us in Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, not an afterthought, not a whoops, they messed it up, I better do something. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. Wow. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It's an amazing picture that before God did anything else, he thought of a people for himself that he would love, that he would choose, that he would adopt into his family. What family? The, the, the family of the, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, living in community, saying we want a people that can enjoy what we have, that we can join into our family, that will receive the blessing and the inheritance of this family, which is absolutely mind-blowing. But that's who God had in mind what God had in mind before he laid the foundations of the earth. And so when we look at ourselves this morning as followers of Jesus, who are we? What is our identity? And this is critical, folks, because if you don't know who you are, it's really hard to be who you are. If you have a crisis of identity, the reality is you will have a crisis of purpose. And I truly believe that this is one of the biggest issues facing the church of Jesus Christ today. And why, when we look at the world, so little of our time, our talent, and our treasure is being pushed towards the least reached parts of the world. In fact, the number of unreached in the world today is growing every day by 60,000 people. So in a sense, we're going backwards. Why is that happening under our watch when the church of Jesus Christ has never been bigger? I believe one of the biggest issues is, is that the people of God don't fully understand who they are. Because if they understood who they are, then they would start to live that out. And as they do that, this world would be a different place. And that takes me to my next point, because it's the identity as the child of God leads to our purpose. So the who we are leads to the why we are. As a child of God made in his image, 
there is a purpose that follows that. Not for a few, but for everyone. And this is critical as, as we talk to this. We'll go back to Ephesians 1 and down to verse 12, because Paul is laying this out. Before he laid the foundations of the earth, he thought of a people for himself, our identity, children of God, brought into his family. And he says in 12, God's purpose then was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. Or as another translation says, that we would be for the praise of his glory. Now, just in case you've let yourself off the hook because you're not a Jew, Paul goes on to say, well, actually for the Gentiles also, he brought us into the family so that we would be for the praise of his glory. So what's Paul saying here? That you have been made a child of God. You have been brought into the family of God so that not, it, of course that we enjoy the relationship with God, and that, that's just the amazing aspect about it, but it's not for yourself. It's not only for yourself. And this is where we have to dispel this myth that my faith is private. I love Jesus, and I just want to keep it to myself. Paul says, no, 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 you were created as a child of God so that your life would be a declaration of God's glory, a megaphone of God's glory. It, further on down in that chapter, in the translation that I use, it says that you would be an advertisement to the glory of God with your life, that people, when they looked at you, they would see God's glory in you, the purpose for which you exist. Does that purpose apply to a few of us who are called missionaries? Or does that purpose apply to everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus? Paul is clearly saying if you identify yourself as a child of God, then you have this purpose to glorify him with all of your life. Now he says that in a number of other passages throughout the New Testament. He says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know what that, ver verse, that word whatever means in Greek? You already got it, eh? Whatever, or everything, every, through everything you do, glorify God. So whether, when you show up to work tomorrow morning, glorify God. In the conversations that you have with your workmates, glorify God. In the conversations you have with your neighbors, your family, glorify God. That you're seeking to glorify God with everything you do, everything you say, and everywhere you go. Whose purpose is this? It's the purpose of every follower of Jesus reflecting him back to the world. I meet many folks who say, well, I don't know if I've worked my purpose out yet. Or, you know, I've tried a few things and I'm still struggling to know what my purpose is. Even people that have come to the end of their life. But here's the reality, folks. Nothing that was ever created gets to determine its purpose. Think about it. Everything that was ever created, the creator had something in mind an idea, a thought, a vision, and then came together and created that thing for a purpose. Whether it's a watch, whether it's a car, an airplane, whatever it may be, a piece of art. And so it is with us as the creation of Almighty God that before he made us, he had a purpose in mind. As someone once said, God did not give a mission to his people. He created his people for a mission. God did not create a mission for his people or for his church. He created his people for a mission. So let's stop trying to determine our purpose or going after some other purpose and embrace the purpose for which we were created because I can tell you this, it's a much better purpose than 
we can come up with ourselves. God has written us into an amazing story, a glorious and grand story of the ages. His mission throughout eternity and time, his mission, he's written us into that story. Let's not try to come up with our own story. Another way I describe it in, in my book, um, and there's some copies out in the book table which you're welcome to pick up, and if they run out, they're going to order more, or you can get them on Amazon. But one of the things I, I try to point out is that so often in life, we see ourselves as a picture. And we get to paint our own picture, put the colors in, get the, or a puzzle, and we put the pieces together of our job, our career, our retirement, what we want to make in life, how we want that to grow, how we want to build a number of houses, have a couple of boats or a car, whatever the case may be. We have all of our plans made out, and then we have this, this piece that we call the God piece. And we bring God in and say, would you come and be a piece of my picture? I want you to be a piece of my picture, God. Would you come and bless my picture and be part of my picture? And I want to say this morning, God doesn't want to be a part of your picture. God wants to be the picture, and he made you to be a piece of that picture. And when we take our piece and put it into this grand and glorious picture of God's mission for the world and for, for humanity and say, we want to surrender our piece to you, God, because your, piece is, or your picture is so much greater than anything we can come up with. And we want to surrender that peace wholly to you, not just a few hours at the weekend, but all of my life, Lord, all of the time that you give me, whether I'm at work, I'm at play, I'm at school, I'm in my neighborhood, I'm going to give it all to you, whether it, my, my bank account, God, I'm giving it all to you because you give it to me for, not for my purpose, but for your purpose, I'm giving it back to you, God, so that you can use this for your glory. Someone said recently, and it just stuck out in my mind, and you could ask us about your time and your treasure, but they said, if God was to answer all of your prayers that you prayed this last week, would your life change or would the world change? I think in the Western world especially, and in Northern Ireland, and I believe it's true here in the U.S. as well, we have been somehow trained to think that it's okay to make God and the gospel all about me. And my prayers are primarily about me, my money's primarily about me and mine, and my time is primarily about me and mine also. And I can give a little bit to God at different parts of the week, and then I get to determine the rest. And I don't see that in scripture. I see that because of who God made me to be as his child, made in his image, that everything I do should be directed to the purpose for which he created me, his glory, in everything I do. How do I do that? And I need to move quickly here. How do I do that, Andrew? Well, I get that, that sounds very ethereal, sort of like out there. Well, we're going to keep moving down to, that's identity, it's your purpose, identity, child of God made in his image, your purpose to reflect his glory through everything you do. But then it comes to role, your role in life. Well, Paul goes on in Ephesians 2, and I remember there's no chapters and verses in the original letter, but he kept talking to the Ephesian church, the church in Ephesus, and he said this in 2.10, you are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. You're his masterpiece. You're not an afterthought. You're not a thrown together. You're not a, oh dear, Andrew came to faith. Angels come up with a plan of what we want Andrew to do here. 
you're a masterpiece, well thought through, well created, as the psalmist said, fearfully and wonderfully made. And what Paul's saying here, I believe, in the context of Ephesians as a book, Ephesians 1 in particular, before God made us, in fact, before he laid the foundations of the earth, he thought of what he wanted you to do. He thought of the good works he wanted you to do. He thought of the things that he wanted you to do while you were on the planet. And then he made you in such a way to do them. Okay, let me say that one more time. Before God made you, he thought of what he wanted you to do. And then he made you in such a way that you could do those things. We are all uniquely made for a unique, in, in a unique way for the purpose of God which is an amazing thought, this idea that each of us has been uniquely made so that through us living out who God has made us to be, we can, in a very special way, reflect back to the world His glory. Some of us here today are business people. Some of us are medical professionals. Some of us are plumbers, electricians, teachers, nurses, raising a family. We've all got different shapes, and I write a, a chapter of this in the book. It's an acronym from another person, Eric Rees, but we have been shaped uniquely, S-H-A-P-E, S for spiritual gifts. We've all got different spiritual gifts. Paul says they're not for ourselves, but for the good of the body. H is heart or passion, things that we're passionate about. We've all got different passions, things that make us angry. This is wrong. This needs to change. Things that, made us, that makes us happy or bring us joy. And I want to say that I believe that those are God-given as well. Now, Satan wants to use them for his purposes, but I believe through Christ they've been redeemed and restored for the original intent of the Creator. And so pay attention to those passions. When you're passionate about something, it makes you lean into it far greater than if you're not passionate about it. And I think this is one of the biggest issues we have today is that people are doing stuff that they're not really passionate about. Now, I know there are certain things in life that are just hard work and you have to lean into them. But in a sense, I believe them when we look at our, our work or job, but so much of it should be within this, something that we're passionate about. God give us those passions, pay attention to them. And one of the mistakes I believe that we've made in the church and the mission world, certainly in the mission world, is that we've often said, well, by the way, those passions, those are the things you must lay on the altar and, and, and walk away from and come do this thing we call ministry. What if, if that passion is God-given for his purpose to glorify him? And when we do that thing, we're glorifying God in a way that very few others can because we're passionate about it. What if we have actually taken the very tools off the people of God to actually live out the way he had intended them to do? Tonight, I'm going to speak way more on this here, go a little deeper into shape, but A is for abilities, and when abilities and passions come together, it is powerful. Like when you're a musician, when you like to play music and you're really good at it, it's powerful. Or when you're like me, you like to play music and you're not really good at it, not that powerful. In fact, someone once said, just keep that one to yourself. <laughs> But abilities, we're all different. We're skilled with our hands, skilled with our minds. Some people are great with numbers. Some people are horrible with numbers. But you have different abilities, God-given abilities, again, to be used for his glory. Personality, P, all different personalities. If you're an extrovert, you will live life differently from an introvert. And experience, E for experience, vocational, educational life experiences. God has uniquely shaped you. And I want to say that should through what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.10, he has made you that way 
so that through you living out your shape, you can bring him glory. And so if you want to know how God wants to use you, look at how he has made you. You know, for a long time in my life, I went through really painful times of trying to work out what God wanted me to do next. And I was lost because I was expecting him somehow to come and speak to me directly. And God can do that. He's done it in the Bible. But Oz Guinness said, don't let the experience of a few be the expectation of the many, right? And then I, I, I realized this, that actually what God wants me to do is already written into the DNA of who I am, how he has made me to be. So look at my, my, my gifts, my abilities, my passions, and then try to go find something that actually allows me to live that out. Because when we live out who he has made us to be for his glory as a child of God, I believe humanity becomes the most brilliant reflection of God on the planet. Right? Now, I've traveled a lot because of what I get to do. I've seen the Alps. I've, seen the, I've dived in the Great Barrier Reef. I've seen the Grand Canyon. I've seen lots of amazing sights. And I'm sure you have too. This country is amazing. How many different beautiful sights you have in America. So often as people of God, when we stand and look over something like the Grand Canyon, what do we say? Isn't God amazing? But they're only rocks. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it's awesome. But you have been made in the image of God as his child, created to reflect his glory like nothing else on the planet uniquely shaped to do it. And when we step in and embrace who he has made us to be and live it out for his glory, we are the most brilliant reflection of God on the planet. And that's why I believe if the people of God understood who they were, why they were created, and understood how he made them, and then started to live it out loudly in their workplace, in their neighborhood, in their colleges, in their universities, and in the uttermost parts of the earth, I believe we would see the gospel going forward like we've never seen it before. But right now, I don't see that. Faith has become private. It's become something that we don't talk about. It's about me. What would it look like if it was a very different thing? And I need to bring this to a close. My fourth point was really to, to bring this all together is uh, we talked about identity, purpose, and role, and then it's the plan of God. And we've already touched on this, but everything we've talked about to this part in Ephesians has been speaking about what God had decided before we were created. In fact, before he laid the foundations of the earth. People for himself made in his image to reflect his glory brilliantly in the earth through the unique ways he created them. And then time begins, Genesis 1. And you can actually see Paul speaks to this in Ephesians 1 in the verses 10 to 10 and 11, this plan of God, what God had planned. But here they are, creation standing in front of God in Genesis 1, 28 and 29, made in their image. And he turns to them and says this, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and govern it. Now, again, I don't have time to unpack all of that, but the govern part is work. Some of you think work was part of the fall. Work was what we were created to do through which we would reflect his glory. But he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Now, I used to think that was only ever about having babies, right? And in Ireland, we have a great reputation of having lots of them. So we, were, we were pretty, felt pretty good about ourselves. But there's something more fundamental, I believe, resonant in that verse. I believe, based on what I understand from Scripture, that before time, the Godhead 
decided and desired a people for himself made in their image to reflect their glory through everything they did in the unique ways they were made. And then they stood before their creator and their creator said, would you go make more of who we have created you to be and be so fruitful until the whole earth is filled with people made in our image, reflecting our glory in everything they do, wherever they go. The creation mandate by the Godhead. Millennia later, God the Son stood on a mountainside and he turned to people that had gathered and followed, followed him and around and heard his teachings and gathered around at that moment before he left this earth. And he said, would you now go make more of who I've made you to be? Would you help them to understand how they live like you through following my teachings until all nations are filled with people like you, made in my image, living out their life for my glory in everything they do. This is the plan of God. And so as you sit here this morning and listen throughout this mission week, you've met a few folks that have gone overseas to do this for a period of time, and you may think that mission thing is just for a handful of those very special folks, and they are very special people, I'm sure. But this mission thing is for every one of us. There is no other reason for our presence on this planet than to live out our life for the mission of God. There's no other reason for our existence as the children of God made in his image to reflect him back to our world wherever we are and to ensure that all nations are on our job description because in, in Genesis 1, it was fill the earth. In Matthew 28, it was all nations. And so if we are a child of God, our Father's heart is all nations, so should our heart be. So with our time, talent, and treasure, our, 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 our time, talent, and treasure should be pushed towards the nations. So some of you this morning are going, I wish God would call me to the nations. He already has. Find a place where what he has made you to do can fit and go do it. I, I'll close with just a couple of very brief stories. I met a young guy, in, in, uh, and if we're live streaming this, can we mute this part? I believe that's possible, is it? Uh, somebody's moving. This really is my last story. I had another bird when I was 15. His name was Peter. He's a parakeet, little tiny yellow bird. And Peter was my pet. I was given to him for free because the breeder said he was no use to him. He had a pigeon chest, and, and parakeets shouldn't have pigeon chests. Uh, when we let Peter out of the, 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 the cage, he would fly all around, fly around the house, but he would only do like one little circuit of the living room, and then he would you know, land on the floor with his wings open, his beak open, just panting like crazy. I was convinced Peter couldn't fly. One day I came home from, from school and I took Peter out of the cage as I always did and he, would f he jumped on my shoulder and I went upstairs to get changed. And as I was, we were having a little conversation, Peter couldn't talk, he didn't have the lady from North Carolina in his life, so he, uh, we were just having a conversation. My mother made some noise down in the kitchen and so Peter decided to go join her and he flew down the hallway upstairs and then took the sharp turn which was downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs was the front door straight on and the living room was to the left. You already guessed it. The living room door was closed. The front door was open. Out Peter went. Biggest fear. Peter would always get out. My mom let us scream out. Peter's gone. I started to run down the stairs to go uh, see if I could catch Peter before he'd get too far. 
And then as I ran down the stairs, I remembered Peter can't fly. So I went out into the front yard. It was a little tiny front yard to see if I could find this little yellow bird lying in the front yard with its wings open and its beak open, panting like crazy. No Peter. And then I looked up. And then there was this, uh, to see this little tiny yellow dot circling around up hundreds of feet like an eagle flying. Peter could fly. But what had happened to this point was that he'd been confined. There had been restrictions put on his life. And within those confines, within those restrictions, he couldn't function the way he was created to do. But when he broke free from them, when he was let loose out into the world where he should be to do what he was created to do, boy, it was different. That's what Paul means in Romans 12 and 2. When you stop conforming to the pattern of this world, when you stop thinking, believing the lies of who you are and why you are, and start taking on the truth, the transformation of your mind about who God made you to be and why he made you to be and how you can live that out for his glory. And when you start to do that, this is what it means. Then you will be able to test and approve. That's the King James says that. Those two words. I used to think that, that somehow if you did this little formula that God would then reveal his will to your life. You know, Andrew, go to Africa. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying this is when you start to believe this truth about who you are, why you are, and what, what God put you in the plan to do, and you start to walk it out, you, you approve it, you test it, and you go, wow, wow, that's true. That's true when I start to believe this about myself, when I start to act this way, when I start to act to get in, in the context of the truth in Scripture, when I start to put it to the test and start to live it out, what I'm finding out, this is, this is good, this is pleasing, this is perfect. Because this is what I was created to do. Father, would you give us wisdom to receive your word this morning, even through these faltering words. May you open our hearts and our minds, just as we see in Ephesians 2. May the eyes of our hearts be illuminated with this incredible truth of who you have made us to be, so that from this point forward, our time, our talent, and treasure will be focused on your grand and glorious plan for the nations so that you will be glorified in all the earth. Amen.